These coronavirus special reports are meant to reinforce the Atrium Health community and how we each give, the different ways we contribute, the challenges we face, the innovation we deliver. We are in this together and we will beat this virus together. All right, well, I have the pleasure of uh, having a conversation with two of our finance team who I get to work closely with. And I wanted them to share some of their participation and contribution to this COVID response. So on the, on the Skype conversation, I have uh, Mr. David Thomas and Ms. Marcia Turner. Uh, I want them to introduce themselves and their roles within Atrium and how long they've been here with us. Let's start ladies first. Cece, by the way, Marcia's name is Cece. So Cece, tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Uh, Cece Turner, I have been with Atrium for about 12, almost 13 years now, hard to believe. Um, and I support the Central Division, uh, which of course is CMC, Levine's Children's Hospital, and Mercy from a financial perspective. And I'm embedded in the operations, if you will. I am at CMC and, and I visit Mercy and LCH as well. Excellent, excellent. And then Dave, how about yourself? Uh, Dave Thomas, and I have been here for 26 years. Um, and have seen lots of different things in finance, um, uh, primarily uh, now uh, serve as the uh, primarily the system controller, if you will, from an accounting perspective uh, for for the consolidated entity, if you will, um, but have seen lots of different things from uh, reimbursement to to the medical group actually started in the medical group uh, you know 26 years ago so hmm. uh, have been around the system a good bit um, and so, uh, love all the people that I work with so ready to ready to spread that love with you <laughs> love it well what so for the rest of us that are not finance folks tell us what the controller does I mean I've heard that term in other areas what is the controller's responsibility Primarily, my my responsibilities really include the the keeping the books, basically, okay. if okay. you will, uh, in in layman terms. Um, that'd be the best way for me to describe it to you is yeah. keeping the books for the system as a whole, the general ledger. Um, that pr primarily is sure. is responsible for that, and then rolling that all together into a financial statement at the end of the year, and and having that be our our audited financial statement. Excellent. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. Yep. Um, all right. So COVID, the COVID pandemic has hit us all and um, we've had to respond. And uh, I've had many people on this uh, podcast who've discussed the areas that they've been able to contribute. You know, let's first start off by asking how has finance played a role in Atrium's response to this COVID? Um, uh, efforts. Um, David, would you want to start off? Sure, I'm happy to. I think as you ask that question, it, it you know dawns on me that really the as part of the the EOC, there, the EOC is Emergency Operations Command. Correct. Okay. Um, and and we we have a seat at that table, if yeah. you will. Finance yep. does, and the the primary 
focus areas, priorities, if you will, that, that finance has as part of that is, is really um, t- twofold and in this case really threefold. And, and I, I usually will describe it, you know, in our updates as we are here to, to support operations. And, and in this instance, one of those priorities is around supporting operations with the, the standing up of, of, of the various bed capacity to, to anticipation of the surge. Okay. So that, that's one area. That's one priority that we have supporting operations to, to do that exercise. It's not an easy thing to do to just say we're going to stand up, you know, 500 more ICU beds. That's right. a, that's a big effort and we're a piece of that support, not, not, all of it, but a piece of it. So that's one priority. The other priority is around tracking costs associated with the event. Um, and it dovetails into if we have the ability or there is a chance or, or a potential for us to, to seek some sort of outside reimbursement. And in this case, uh, there might be FEMA reimbursement. There might be other government support that can be attained um, uh, if you track costs appropriately and file those costs appropriately with them. Um, so that cost tracking kind of dovetails into that uh, exercise as well. Mm-hmm. And then, in, and then the, the, the third piece, if you will, that is, is layering in there as well is, is really around the government stimulus packages mm-hmm. that are out there currently um, too, that some FEMA is tied to that, but not necessarily that's it's not isolated just to, to FEMA. And, and I'll get to the government stimulus question in a moment, but that's that's great the, the, to break that down in those three areas. That's very helpful. Um, CC, what about you? What what uh, what what have you been specifically or from a group standpoint seeing and doing to make sure that uh, Atrium's response is uh, supported? So I have been a little bit more into the details yep. and participating in um, daily calls, as everyone has remotely, and I am part of the team that has been making sure that our surge plan, um, behind the scenes operationally, uh, partnering with IT and patient accounting and MHR, our contractors, and the medical group and making sure that it's all kind of integrated and seamless so that when the time comes for us to drop a bill and use some areas in our hospital space that we don't traditionally use for, say, ICU, or if we turn our rehab hospital into a medical hospital, that we can do that and and the operators, the clinicians don't have to worry about um, how those bills are, are generated and the revenue, et cetera. So it's a lot of um, behind the scenes building, um, the making the ability for our our patients to be cared for without the clinicians worrying about how we ultimately bill for them. You're actually sense. creating the foundations for us to have and build those houses, aren't you? Because we can build the houses, but if it's not a strong foundation, we're going to fall apart. I would say yes. Look and at we that. are, and, and, and there's lots of fits and starts because we think we can do something and then we find out we can't. Right. Um, and that's fine. And that's fine. And it's part of the process. Um, but I think we, I, I have to say that today, Friday, 
is the first day where I feel like we've kind of had, we've been able to take a breath. We feel like we've got a, a plan in, in, in place. We've got the pieces. We've asked the questions. IT is making it happen by building out these beds for us. Um, so I feel really good about where we are and, and our position to handle this surge that is coming. You know, and you said you 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 commented on a piece that's important because a couple of days ago I met with a lot of our IT leadership, uh, whether it was Pam McCreary and and Matt Sullivan and Becky Fox. You know, they're all involved in making sure that all of our processes and workflows and other things are in order. And then you you tie that into our surge uh, leaders, whether it's Chan Roush and and others who are working on that area, uh, or our providers, whether it's our critical care docs, you're sort of trying to blend and meld all their inputs to make sure that they don't have to worry about the other part of it. We provide the services, we take care of our patients, and you make sure that um, we'll, be, we'll be compensated appropriately for it when the time is right. That is correct. <laughs> this is our goal. This is our goal. And, and, you know, again, our fundamental goal is to take care of our patient. Those other things are still behind the scenes, as you allude to, that we need to, to, to just do, right? And it's, it is amazing how, you, you know, again, you go back to the surge in the bed capacity planning. Yeah. And, and the operators will find this, the spaces. We can put beds here. We can do, you know, put them there. And, and, and to sit back and kind of watch, because I'm not in the details of that, but I am watching it. Yeah. And to watch it where the ideas get generated and then you got the likes of CC and other finance people as well as, as IT and all the folks she mentioned, you know, coming together to rally around the ideas and, and really, to, to overcome the barriers. There's a lot of behind the scenes that CC's not really going into that, sure. that has to be thought through. Well, if we want to do this and you want to do that, then what about this and what about that? And you, you've got to work through all that quickly in order to, to have the solutions down to get IT to build it mm -hmm. so that when the time comes, you can say, yes, this is going to be a bed, flip the switch, and all of a sudden it's a bed. And as she said, the operators can just work seamlessly as if it's there the whole time. So it it, it is amazing to kind of watch it and a lot of creativity by a lot of teammates to to make it happen, um, you know, to, to prepare in a short period of time, I might add, as well. Well, uh, you know, Dave, you are 100% right. I've seen some incredible work that's occurred in because of the collaboration over the past three weeks or so since we've been sort of uh, since I've been doing the podcast because I've seen the work and I'm like, I got to highlight this. And you guys are just an incredible part of that. So let me segue that into the next question, because I know we could get stuck on some of the details. Um, but one of the next questions is, you know, there's how many trillion dollars that the government has now said we're going to help uh, financially respond to this. But there's also a component of those trillions of dollars that come to uh, health care. What component of the stimulus, Dave, uh, can you share with us that you've been looking into and trying to make sure that we as Atrium have an ability to, uh, you know, make sure we maximize, quite honestly? Um, well, it's, it's the, the last stimulus bill. There's been a couple. Okay. 
there probably will be, there's likely to be another, um, but the last one, the CARES Act, I think, I, I can't give you the exact uh, acronym, what it stands for, I don't have it right in front of me, but it's okay. uh, the CARES Act was $2 trillion, um, and yes, there it, it is broken down um, into various component pieces. Um, Atrium has effectively, the last week we stood up through James Ramsey and, and uh, Christine Sibley, uh, stood up a, a team of folks, multidisciplinary folks across the system, probably 30 different um, people involved with that. It's probably going to grow. Uh, from from CCMNO to to legal to compliance, every lots of different folks involved with that to basically go through break down the various stimulus packages opportunities, if you will, and make sure that we are uh, positioned uh, to to take advantage of those opportunities that are in front of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that we can operationalize them. Um, and prioritize them. Some some may be a heavier lift, a longer lift, not as material, uh, and we may want to prioritize them to the bottom. We may want to, uh, we obviously want to prioritize the things that impact us the most to the top of the list. So we've stood that up, um, and effectively, I think the the CARES Act, the way I sort of have it in my head, there are. Uh, component pieces of it that relate to our Medicaid supplemental payment program, if you will. Um, there are component pieces of it that are more like advances or, or loans, if you will, short-term loans from the government. Um, there are pieces of it that are grants, um, some of which may have strings attached and, and some of which may not. Mm-hmm. And then there's a host of other things that are those first three would would primarily be around healthcare. Okay. And then there's a host of other things that are really could can be all kinds of other businesses, whether you're small businesses, other industries. There's tax implications. There's um, a host of other things that are part of the the two trillion dollar plan. Because again, it's not just healthcare impact it's right, it's right. country um, so we've, we've stood that up to kind of break down and make sure we're looking at all the various things that are included in there and that we can identify who the correct atrium people are to to sort of take it away and, and start to operationalize it have the dialogue and make sure that we're we're not tripping on each other that we're not stepping out of bounds and then go ahead and, and execute on those various ideas Oh, that's excellent. Uh, and of course, this is all coming to us rapidly. Um, and so that makes it even more important for us to be nimble enough and be responsive enough to make sure we don't leave money on the table, that we don't lose opportunity, not because we want an unfair advantage, but just because we all want to help and make sure that the work we're doing uh, is acknowledged and, and helps our community. Exactly. No, that's that's fantastic. Thanks, Dave, uh, for for helping us with uh, understanding the CARES Act. So let me uh, come back one more second then to a couple of the items that I've seen at work here uh, in our Charlotte community, and one of them is um, the 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 initiation of additional space 
that we have on our own campuses, and the example I would use is the College of Health Sciences that we have on the central campus, that we are going to make available to uh, address the surge. Um, do either of you want to chat about what that's taken to kind of make that happen? Cece, do you uh, want to take, take you closer to that one? Sure. Yeah, sure. I think um, obviously our our friends in FMG, our facilities management group, had to go over and make sure that space would be appropriate uh, to deliver care to um, a, a COVID patient population there. Yeah, I mean... And then I'm... a decision... Yeah, exactly. No, no, I'm you sorry. No, I was going to say that I, I remember that uh, Colin Lane and, and Gene Manego yep. and others have really, incredible, and Jeff Shaver and others have really gone on and jumped on board to, to help address that question. Totally. And then Chan and yep. Stephen Martin are leading the, the plan uh, for our uh, acute care team. And, of course, they had to agree. And then, of course, I believe infectious disease had to, yep. to be okay with converting that space and I mean, I'm sure I'm missing some folks no, no, and no, then from our perspective on. from a financial perspective if we make that work and how do we make that work again my job is to try to make it as seamless and easy on the operators I don't yeah. want the clinicians to worry about how we direct um, costs and revenue and I think we've come up with a creative way um, to to take care of that, um, and 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 I think you know I, I it will see. Right, <laughs> I mean, sure. God willing, we won't have to use the space, but right. if we do, I I believe we will be ready uh, to handle that addition additional patient population, and we'll we'll be able to to say, hey, that that space in particular, this is how many patients we cared for over there. Right, and I think that is that is very important for us to be able to communicate to the community. Look how creative we got. We turned this space into a patient care space, and this is how many patients that we, we served in that space. And we will be able to tell that story pretty pretty quickly. You know, I was involved in some of the initial conversations there, and to kind of acknowledge that a space that was otherwise being unused and convert that operationally and financially and really from a care perspective to be able to care in a surge situation to upwards of close to 200 patients, that was pretty impressive. When, as you said, the, the teammates yeah. that are involved in being working and working with that and looking at how to make that a safe space, if if we end up needing it, that was impressive. Um, so I agree with you. Um, you know, and I think we are trying to balance that whole idea of what's a safe amount of space to what's the, the best way to provide that care and keep it close where our other specialists are able to come help as needed. Uh, a fantastic point. Thank you. Now, I was going to ask another more specific question, something that I'm incredibly excited about, is our virtual hospital. Um, you know, we have uh, stood up over the course of maybe three or four days, uh, and, and, and this is through the, uh, the IAS team that I heard about, that, that I understood how quickly it came about. But also from the clinical side, I'm going to be talking in the next couple of days with um, um, Stephanie Murphy and, and Tom Batchelor and other clinicians who've helped stand this up. Our virtual hospital and virtual uh, observation units, that's another completely new area that we did not participate in before. How has finance helped make that happen? 
Well, you that, that they re, you, it, yeah, that's a, <laughs> it's a very interesting, it, a very interesting uh, development. <laughs> it is a very interesting development, and and I cannot uh, say that I am the closest to it. I think CC and and others, uh, Rebecca Chassis in finance, yep. uh, also yeah. very much uh, closely tied to it. But it's um, uh, again, it, it's an it's an idea that that somebody has. It comes about, and then to um, I guess it's a it's a testament to to Atrium really to when you get an idea like that, and and the folks that need to be at the table in order to make it happen, rally around the idea. It, it really shows the, the power, if you will, of, of how Atrium works. Um, because again, it, it's not, it's a concept somebody has. It can work. Okay. So you've got to figure out then how do we make this work in our system, in Epic? How do you do that? How do you set it up? How do you set up the, the codes in the system? Finance needs to be at the table to make sure are you are you able to set this up? Can you set up a charge for that and or a statistic for that? How do you do that? Is compliance at the table? Are we stepping out of bounds or are we in bounds? So there's a lot of people that have to come together to sort of vet that idea, make it happen, and and it's not as easy as you just say, okay, yep, let's just go ahead, build this, and do that, and you're good to go. It doesn't quite and work you know, that way. I, I would, I would add that the idea was, of course, you know, from a clinician's perspective. And I would suggest, you know, we let it, we were like, okay, it's happening. And then as the clinicians were caring for the patients, yeah, it was our job behind the scenes to make it to what Dave's describing, operationalize it. Yeah. How can I get it to work in Epic? How can I make this work? And that evolved over time. I mean, we were we were doing what we needed to do to care for the, the patients in the community. But then we, on the back end, tried to figure out, okay, how can we make this work seamlessly? Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, we actually did. We got very creative. And we now have these virtual first floor, second floor. Um, it's wild, but it's working. Well, and, you know, that brought me to the, because quite honestly, you know, other organizations have had virtual hospitals, even in the U.S., that have existed. But, you know, in this particular case, the, 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 the adage that came to mind was the, that the necessity is the mother of invention, right? You know, we've never have uh, dealt with this unprecedented event of, uh, of, of this pandemic. And so it was a necessity. And... Already, we have seen, as I heard on a report out today, over 600 patients through this virtual hospital platform and kept so many of those patients out of our bricks and mortars. Uh, and because you all helped support it in finance, it was able to come to existence. So kudos to you all, kudos to our collective team to come up with a solution that we knew we needed to come up with. And uh, and our our leaders to help support it and make it happen. I would tell you too, Saj. I guess you know, and we will need to at some point look back and and you know look at you know from a financial perspective, we'll need to look at what did what does this mean? Um, you know, the the first priority I think, as you said and Cece said earlier, is about the patient, right? Yep. 
how do we how do we care for the patient how do we create space in our bricks and mortar um to, in order for to to in, in anticipation of this of this patient surge and so this was an idea it's working i think we would have to we will need to look back when this is over from a financial standpoint and and try to assess is it you know is it uh, financially viable long term or or not and i don't know the answer to that sure. uh, i can't say one way or the other but i do think you know it it's an, the idea is is spawned around you know we need to react and 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 plan for this patient surge so it is patient first and that's what that's what came here and then when it's when the time comes then we'll we'll look back and and look at the financial analysis around it absolutely and so you know there will be a new norm and i think that's what you're alluding to and we'll have to figure out how that plays into our playbook all right, so a couple of fluff questions for you guys, all right? I always end with a few mm. fluff questions. Fluff. Fluff, F-L-U-F-F. -F. I know, I know. These, you thought these others were fluff. All right. Um, social distancing. You know, I, I get to work with CC all the time, and Dave's office is across the hall from mine, so I get to see him fairly frequently. But during this time of social distancing, we've had to work, you know, via Skype and other mechanisms how has that uh, been impacting your teams? Because you all are incredibly essential to our work on our day-to-day -day operations. Uh, how has that has come across for you all individually? Uh, I can go first. Yeah, go ahead. Are you going to go? No, no okay. you go ahead. I, I, I think, um, I, you know, it's just trying to make sure you keep in touch yeah. and reach out to the team and check in with them and make sure that everybody's doing okay personally. Um, and, 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 you know, make sure that, you know, do they have anything going on that we need to know about that we should, we should be aware of. Right. Um, from a work perspective, uh, because everybody has challenges, I, you know, um, but from a work perspective, it's definitely challenging, um, working remotely as I am, um, you know, just because I'm used to having my dual screens and I have so <laughs> many darn, spreadsheets open at the same time and Citrix doesn't really like that and um, different platforms and so things just wig out randomly and you just have to go all right you know I'll, I'll get reconnected it's fine um, but that's been a little uh, challenging and I and but but you know at the end of the day we you know we we get it done and then I have um, my family I have three young adults that are all home um, so my my grocery bill has skyrocketed um but they're all here they're all here working they're doing their thing and um just trying to navigate that space um and, but you know it's all it's all worked out yeah. it's all good that's awesome dave how about you i think the the finance team in general i think is is doing doing well um we do uh i know that cc keeps in touch with with her team uh, periodically, I know we, we, I've got a, a meeting with my team. Uh, we, we talk at least once a week as a group and, and try to get some feedback at all the various sub teams, how they're doing. Uh, generally, I'd say everybody's doing pretty well. Um, and I have to give credit largely to the, the IT team, uh, for, for standing up and deploying, uh, the, the remote for a lot of, not just finance, but a lot of folks across the sure. organization. 
So they did a great job and, and, you know, uh, yeah, there's challenges, you know, with all the Skype meetings and, and sometimes they don't quite work the way you want them to work. But overall, I'd say, you know, more, more better than 80 to 90 percent. They're, they're working pretty good. So I have to give them props on, on that for sure. Um, but I think the finance team's doing, doing pretty well. We do have to have a couple of, couple folks in the payroll and AP areas in particular that, that do need to, we got to have some coverage. Yeah. Uh, physical on presence for, for various reasons, but, um, they're, they're doing their part. They're, they're rotating. They're keeping their distance in the, <laughs> uh, inside the buildings and we're making sure that, you know, everybody's, uh, keeping away from each other as best they can. It's, it's probably, uh, lonelier than, than, uh, most people like, but um, I think we're as a team we're doing we're doing our part and we're doing okay with it pretty pretty well. That's awesome. All right, so the last question, and you can pick either or. All right, I think you alluded to the mor- morale of the team. I think we're doing pretty well, is what what I heard you say, Dave. So the last question will be, um, what advice would you give to our teammates, our colleagues, and quite honestly, even the community during this continued effort to fight off this pandemic? What what advice would you give? Oh gosh, I, I well I'll give you the advice that that I I'll take I'll share my advice to myself I guess. Okay. Uh, so we uh, we 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 do pray every night yep. uh, as a family. We pray every night. We ask uh, ask the Lord to help us help the world through this this ordeal. Uh, so that's one one thing that we awesome. do uh, together as a family. Um, uh, and, and I guess I'll, I'll, as we learn, you know, obviously the, everybody's trying to keep the social distancing in place, but I do think there's probably a lot of good, good habits. Not, not that you don't want to, uh, socialize with people. I'm not saying that, but there's, there's some good habits that people need to really take stock of during this when we come out the other side. You know, you know, thing, things that are just, Hopefully it's making everybody more aware. Keep your hands away from your face and don't, <laughs> don't cough out loud and give everybody their personal space, if you will. Um, so I think we'll, as, as a, as a society, I think we'll, we'll come out of this on the other side with a, probably a better awareness. I hope we keep it. Um, but again, I do miss the social and, um, you can be social. You can just be at a distance. So right. uh, the advice I give is I'll go out with my neighbors. Uh, I'll, I'll wave at them and speak to them, but they're on the other side of the street. <laughs> nice. How about you, Cece? I think um, I agree with everything Dave said. Um, I think, you know, to try and have our our community and our team hopefully look at this as a this is a, an event. It's a terrible event in our lives, but we'll we'll get through it. And 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 yes, there is a new norm, and and I do think that uh, we're all going to have to adjust. I do think that um, I'm inspired by my children and how hmm. they've been very they've taken this very seriously. Um, and the social distancing, I, I was just I, they really were out in front of it. I'll be honest. That's awesome. And then I think personally, I've been very, um, it's, it's been wonderful to use Facebook, uh, pardon me, FaceTime, use Zoom 
to connect with, you know, our friends and family. Yeah. So I have a, a, a Thursday night cocktail hour with my dearest, closest friends from college. Yeah. Um, on, on Sundays, um, I meet with my family and it's been, it's been wonderful. And we're all like, why haven't we done this before? Right. So <laughs> it's kind of forced us to appreciate each other a little bit more. And so perhaps, you know, that's kind of something that will come out of this is that that's good that we. Yeah, no, I mean, Cece, that's, that's, that's beautiful. Dave and Cece, thank you. you. You're absolutely right. I think that, you know, I think the social distancing was intended to keep us apart physically, but I think the community and our community of our friends and family throughout the world have actually gotten closer together by the examples you just gave, whether virtual or otherwise. We've actually shown and, and seen examples of just social communing that um, I don't even know if that's a word, but, you know, getting closer together that I am just looking at that silver lining and going, wow, that's awesome. So with that, I say thank you guys for sharing your thoughts about how finance has been so integral to our success at Atrium and just sort of our response at Atrium. I uh, encourage you all to continue staying safe and keeping the silver lining in the look forward and so so well, one you. other last oh, comment absolutely. I'd like to just express if I could and, and on behalf of all the finance I'd like to to say uh, thanks to the to our teammates that are right there on the front yeah. line the, the caregivers right up there front um, they're, they're awesome so hats, hats off to them and and we're here finance is here to support them um, but but we we're also in great admiration of them as well. Thank absolutely. You. Yeah, thank you for saying that, Dave. You're absolutely right. We are every step of what we're doing is intended to help protect our patients, but really also to protect our teammates. And and we are trying and doing everything we can with that. So with that, I say thank you and uh, and I appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Happy Easter. These discussions reveal our passion, our commitment, and our culture. Stay safe, stay strong, and stay Atrium Health Proud.